Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. It's the Fight Fan with Pete Hoffman time. Hey, like Roy Jones said, I said, y'all must have forgot. And I see you media people as well with your little clickbait headlines. But trust me, I have to make y'all remember why we the best. I saw some criticism. People say the punches weren't really necessary. What do you mean, why were they not necessary? Because he was already knocked out at that point. But the referee hadn't pulled me off. And my job is to hit somebody till the referee pulls me off. So to those people, I would say, maybe don't watch him and then go back to soccer. How good does it feel to be back? You know what I mean? I'm very proud of that accomplishment. The UFC, they can strip fighters and give to the fighters, make believe belts in order to replicate my champ-champ status. But they can't give knockout victories across multiple weight divisions. It's my name in history one more time. For the Irish people, for me, man, I'm like, oh, I'm looking to get smart. Thank you. Thank you, God. I appreciate you. On WFAN and Radio.com. I'm on the West Coast side. Mike Tyson should have been here anyway. He's the baddest man on the planet, right? He should have been the one. He should have been the one over here. Uh, I'm over here on the rock, huh? <laughs> you guys caught me under under a bad bad time, but you know what I'm saying? The rock's cool. I like ballers. I like ballers. You know what I'm saying? But he picked the wrong side. He picked another side, so he could get it, too. He could get his ass whipped, too. Straight up. With all due respect, he could get it, too. I definitely want to defend my 145 belt. And let's see, I'm going to talk to Dana. Dana, tomorrow I'm going to call you. We're going to have a talk. I love you, boy. Dookie Woman is coming tomorrow. And she doesn't know what's coming. Don't blink tomorrow. Believe me, I put such a great job. Dookie Woman is coming for you now. Here's your Fight Fan host, Pete Hoffman. Welcome to another episode of The Fight Fan with your host, Pete Hoffman. Follow me at The Fight Fan WFAN or The Hoff WFAN on Twitter. The Fight Fan with Pete Hoffman on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, all types of social media, everywhere, WFAN.com or Radio.com. It is all there. This episode, we will be joined by Brandon Dubinsky, former New York Ranger, current Columbus Blue Jacket, uh, talks about his love of fighting and watching fights and not actually being in them, even though he's gotten to his scuffles as well. We talk about some of that stuff, talks about being part of those New York Ranger teams, getting traded to the Blue Jackets, being teammates with Artemi Panarin, Henrik Lundqvist, um, never really getting to the promised land, never getting to the Stanley Cup with the Rangers. Uh, but he gets into all that stuff, and it's a really good conversation with Brandon Dubinsky. So check that out. That'll be on a little bit later. This weekend, however, tomorrow or today, whenever you listen to this, because I just don't know when you listen, um, it is 
Derek Brunson versus Kevin Holland at the UFC Apex on ESPN. Um, it is a crazy middleweight fight. Derek Brunson, the vet, versus Kevin Holland, the talker. The guy that wouldn't shut up and that eventually Dana White said, you know what, get that guy in the cage. Give him a shot. We'll see what happens. And he has performed at a high level. Huge task with Derek Brunson. Again, veteran of the sport. It's going to be a great main event. Uh, hopefully no eye pokes. Hopefully no DQs. We don't need any DQs. We've already had enough issues already with this card. Uh, if you have been paying attention to the weight cuts, Julie, Julia Stolarenko collapsed, fainted while she was trying to weigh in. She eventually weighed in at 135.5, um, but her fight is clearly off. They, they t- pulled that pretty quickly. You can't faint when you're going to weigh in and expect the fight. They're just not going to happen. I mean, we've seen, uh, I think it was Trevin Giles who got pulled off a fight last minute for fainting. They're not going to let you get into a cage if you're passing out anywhere. There's clearly an issue going on. And it's funny because I, you know, we talk about weight cuts all the time. We're, we're, we're always talking weight cuts, you know, whether, you know, Kevin Holland actually weighed in at 183. The middle weight is 185. He came in lighter than he was supposed to be. Israel Adesanya went into the light heavyweight fight versus Jan Blachowicz at 200 and a half pounds. It's 205 is the limit. He came in 200 and a half pounds. Um, so what's the strategy when you're going and cutting weight? And it's every fighter's different. Everyone has different plans and strategies and whatnot. And you just sometimes it works out perfectly. Sometimes it doesn't. And I spoke to someone because um, I texted them because I, I I saw a ton of reaction. Someone's going to get seriously hurt. Someone's going to die. Someone this. Someone that. And I don't want to to say that that's not true. I mean, you can get you can die going in the cage. Boxers die have have been killed f- fighting in the ring. So I, I don't want to say that you know this is part of the game and we should just deal with this because no, that's not right. It's, it's terrible to watch her faint, Julia, watching her faint the first time they get back back on the scale to weigh in and then needing help to get off the scale and then fainting again. That's not it's not a good image. I won't deny that. It's terrible. It's terrible to watch. But what is the solution? What went wrong? You know, I've heard stories that that they're considering uh bringing in uh checks and balances to make sure that people aren't cutting too much weight throughout, you know, at a at a quick pace, at a at a last minute pace. They cuz again, you're, it's an edge, right? You're always looking for an edge, a legal edge. If the fight's at 155, you know, if if I get at 155, I, I can lock in at 155, but then really I'm like 170, 175. Uh, you know, I just happened to cut a lot of weight last minute. Yeah, that, that 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 that's a that's an advantage to me because I'm more powerful. I have more power behind my strikes. Yes, I understand that. I'm a heavier person. That's great, but. If it also makes you your body shut down, how much is that really helping you in the fight? Have are you a hundred percent going into the cage, into the ring? Or are you are you at a disadvantage? There you go. 
are you at a, at a disadvantage because of the weight cut? And there's so many different ways we could look at it. Clearly, this is not what we want to see. Clearly, we do not want to see fighters collapsing as they step on the scale. That's that's scary stuff. We've we've heard horror stories. We, we saw videos of Chris Cyborg back in the day trying to cut weight to make, you know, 135s and stuff like that, and she just couldn't do it after a while. Yeah, no, she was she, uh, Cyborg. They had to do catch weights. She couldn't do 135 pounds. They did 140 pounds. And then they they did the UFC. They, they ended up putting the featherweight division in for Cyborg. Some people just can't cut weight like that. But anyway, so I I, I was in conversation with someone who's normally a one twenty fiver. That's where they're supposed to be. That that's the weight. That's where they're supposed to fight at. They said, but they don't walk around at one twenty five, and their body's different now. And they said that it's a tough to to cut weight. And it's, you know, you, you can put together a perfect plan of action and it doesn't always work out. And your body just stops cutting. And the thing that we forget is that these people are not machines. These fighters are not machines. It's crazy because you think that, you know, they're so disciplined, they're so this, and they probably are. But your body is not always with what you want to do. Your body is different. Your brain may be thinking one thing, but your body's going to do something else. No matter how strict you are, no matter how well planned out your cut is, things can go wrong. So it's terrible to see. I don't know the solution, but it's part of the fight game, and and everyone goes through it. We've seen some terrible Terrible weight cuts. So people that probably shouldn't have fought have have gone into the cage after an awful weight cut. I mean, look at Khabib Nurmagomedov, who just recently retired officially. Thank you, Dana White. He had one of the worst weight cuts, the, the whole tiramisu thing, you know, versus Tony Ferguson. That fight got canceled because he had to go to the hospital because of kidney failure, if I'm correct. So, the weight cut issue will always be an issue, and there's really, it's going to be a problem constantly. So, for all the people that are out there saying, this is bad, that we're going to have to figure, you know, there's something to do, then come up with a solution and, 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 and try to figure it out. But also remember that just because you come up with a solution doesn't mean that it's still going to be perfect. This is going to be a constant issue throughout the rest of fighting. As long as you have the possibility to cut weight, as long as that's an option, there will oh you will always run into this situation where someone will have an issue cutting and it will put them in a bad spot and they're going to be affected in a way where they might not be able to fight. That they, sh- that they shouldn't fight. Uh, 
But moving on, what you know, let's get back to the Khabib thing. How about that? He officially retired finally. And it's something that we all kind of figured out. I mean, after the the Dustin Poirier, Conor McGregor fight and the Michael Chandler, Dan Hooker fight, we pretty much figured that that Habib was done. And it's official now. And they're not locking up the division anymore. The division's not being held up anymore. And a major, a major announcement has been made. There is a title fight for the lightweight division. And it's not Dustin Poirier. And it's not Conor McGregor. It's not Justin Gaethje. It's not Tony Ferguson either. No. It's Charles Oliveira, Michael Chandler. Now, a lot of people might be disappointed because they wanted they, Dustin Poirier, personally speaking, I think that he is fit to be the lightweight champ right now. If you gave him that belt, if you gave him the next title fight, if it was the unifier, unification fight, I, I'd be I'd be into that. Because personally speaking, with Khabib gone, that Dustin Connor fight was arguably the title that should have been awarded right there. But you want to put Charles Oliveira and Michael Chandler together? I'm for that too. I'm okay with that. Charles Oliveira, obviously, if if there was someone who was gonna fight Khabib, it's probably gonna be Oliveira. That that's the name that was getting floated around because he has the recent history. He's won so many fights now in a row. He's performed at a high level. He was the one person that did not fight Khabib in the lightweight division. So that's and Chandler too, but Chandler's newer to the division in UFC. That is, so that's why Oliveira made more sense. So the fact that you put those two together should be a fun. It's going to be a fun fight. Those two clearly are talented enough, and it should put on a show. But it's just interesting that Poirier is not up for that. And I, the rumor is that Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor, they were trying to get the trilogy trilogy together, but it just couldn't come together quick enough. So that's why they put together the Oliveira-Chandler fight. Um, and they're pushing, hopefully pushing, for the Poirier-McGregor trilogy fight sometime in July. July 10th is from what I understand. So that would be interesting. Also, we have some clarity on the welterweight division. There's a lot of clarity coming down now. There's a lot, a lot of things are moving in the MMA world, in the UFC game. We saw that the middleweight division, the huge fight between Robert Whitaker and Paulo Costa, which I was stoked for. Again, you're talking about another title eliminator type of thing. That was it. That that winner of that would go back to face Israel Adesanya. But Costa is hurt or sick or something whatever it is or maybe steroids who knows. I'm not I'm just throwing stuff out there. I don't really know. I didn't look into it enough cuz I, I he's just not fighting and that to me is enough. 
Um, but Whitaker is taking on Calvin Gastelum. And that that is a fight, clearly, because that's what they do. But that that is a good fight. And another, you know, think about the last, besides the Jan Blahovitz fight, sure, I, I you can't take away the fact that Jan in the light heavyweight division dominated Israel those, those last two rounds, taking him to the ground. So that was a different fight. But in the middleweight division, in the 185 division, how good did Israel Adesanya look? He looked incredible his last few fights. The last challenge he had was Kelvin Gastelum. That was the, that made Israel Adesanya who he was because of that Kelvin Gastelum fight. That was an epic fight. That was something that if you haven't seen that, you have to go see that fight. That is one that for five rounds, it was nonstop, brawling, action-packed, fast-paced, high-level, striking, high-level everything. Must-see fight. And Kelvin Gaslam brought the best out of Israel Adesanya. Now, I'm not saying that you didn't see quality fights when he fought Robert Whitaker. I'm not saying that he you didn't see quality fights uh, when he took on Yoel Romero or Paulo Costa. No, I mean... I mean, well, we could debate the the, the the Yoel Romero fight, that's for sure. Because Yoel Romero didn't didn't really go out there to fight. He came went out there to bait Israel Adesanya, and we didn't see much of anything. That was a little disappointing. But Paulo Costa, Robert Whitaker, Israel Adesanya demolished those two, made them look less than average versus him. He put a beat down on both of those two that we've never seen before. Literally never saw Paul, Paulo Costa lose a fight. We've seen him get tagged a little bit here and there, but we never see him. We, we never saw him look as bad as that. And Robert Whitaker too. Like he's had, he was in brawls. He's been in some fights, the Yoel Romero fights. You know, they, those were epic fights. And Israel Adesanya made him look like he wasn't the same level. So now you bring Kelvin Gaslam back in the mix. Can we see that Kelvin Gaslam that put Israel Adesanya and and took him to the fifth round and was put him in a situation where it was a toss up, it was a coin toss of who was winning that fight? Who was able to touch Israel Adesanya and make him look human? That was what Kelvin Gaslam did. So that's a good fight, the Robert Whitaker, Calvin Gaslam. It's exciting. It's not the Palo Costa, but it's still a good fight, and I want to see Calvin Gaslam come back strong with this. Um, we're talking about the welterweights. Talking about Leon Edwards not getting the title fight. Instead, it's Kamaru Usman, Jorge Masvidal, which is crazy to think that that's the rematch. Already, some people are saying it's not not deserving, but not for nothing. Masvidal did everyone a favor in July. I think it was July or August. Over the summer, I should say. Fight Island went out there and took on that fight short notice and did his best he could. Game bred, went out there and tried to put on a show for the people. 
I never put it past a guy like that. Same thing with Conor McGregor. He might have got his butt whooped versus Dustin Poirier, Conor McGregor that is, but I don't put it past him to get back into the cage as long as he's motivated and put on a better performance and potentially beat Dustin Poirier. Jorge Masvidal, you give him a full camp, I am quite positive that he will go out there and give you a better performance versus Kamaru Usman. And we've seen Kamaru now change his tactics in the cage. We saw him beat down and go for a stand-up war with Colby Covington. Gilbert Burns, he dismantled him. If he decides to stand up with Jorge, if he's that confident with his stand-up, that will be an epic rematch, and you have to give a little bit more respect to Jorge Masvidal in a stand-up fight because that is what he's always done. We're not knocking his ground game and saying that he can't fight on the ground, but 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 Kamara Usman is at a different level on the ground. His wrestling skills are elite. He's made every fighter he's taken to the ground look silly. Everybody. Tyron Woodley, who is a great wrestler, he made him look dumb on the ground. So that is going to be fun to see that fight, to see that rematch. And as long as it doesn't go the same direction, it should be fun. Otherwise, then, yeah, you know what? That it wasn't a deserving fight. But that's what we have to see. And I think that Jorge Masvidal is smart enough, intelligent enough, and just physically gifted enough to put on a better performance. And it'll be fun. So we're going to get to the the Brandon Dubinsky interview. When I interviewed Brandon earlier in the week, we had just missed the breaking news. Uh, We had spoken before the breaking news of the Jorge Masvidal, Kamaru Usman rematch. So we kind of hint at the ultimate fighter a little bit and talk about how it would be amazing to have Masvidal and Covington be at it in the uh, ultimate fighter, which you never know. The, that, that could still be a thing, especially if Masvidal beats Kamaro. That would be that 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 would be something for sure. So let's get to it. Welcoming in Columbus Blue Jacket former New York Ranger Brandon Dubinsky. This is the Fight Fan with your host Pete Hoffman, and I'm so honored right now to be joined by one of my favorites. Well, I'm a big Rangers fan, so Brandon Dubinsky joining us right now, currently the Columbus Blue Jackets. But thanks so much for hopping on, man. Yeah, absolutely, man. Excited to be here, and uh, it's been fun uh, chatting with you the last couple of weeks, and and then getting ready to come on and do the show with you. So, so tell me, explain to me how you, Brandon Dubinsky, got into MMA and UFC. Uh, it's kind of crazy. I, you know, I was thinking about that earlier today because I figured that was going to be something that you asked. And, um, you know, a long time ago when I was a young kid playing in Alaska, I remember us, uh, sort of going against our parents' wishes and watching some of those early UFC fights, one, two, three. I mean, somewhere like the no rules, uh, anything goes type of thing and being a young kid. Um, so I got into a little bit, uh, then, but then obviously, um, I gotta say, I mean, I think it was, uh, probably the lead up to McGregor Aldo, um, uh, that, that 13 second KO that really got me 
uh, psyched about the sport. Um, you know, some of my buddies were into it, and they're like, "Dude, you got to watch this guy. It's it's pretty amazing." And uh, so I kind of watched that whole lead up and build up into that fight, and then uh, obviously watched the fight. Crazy, funny story about that fight and that night. Um, but that's sort of the beginning of when I sort of really got into it, and and since then it's just sort of grown. Yeah, I feel like I've spoken to a lot of people that say that that Conor McGregor era really brought them back. They were fans before, but like, but Conor McGregor really put them on the map. Like me personally speaking, Anderson Silva was was one of those guys that really like got me into to UFC. Yeah. But I mean, I was always a fan before that. Andre Olovsky. I just interviewed Rich Franklin last week. He's one of those guys that really got me into it. But but Conor McGregor, I feel like started to bring different fans to the to the MMA world, which is kind of dope. Yeah, absolutely, and. and- thinking about it as well Forrest Griffin was another guy uh when they started doing um the ultimate fighters the the ultimate fighter uh those series so um certainly started to get into those as well so um like you know looking back and thinking about it that was another thing that got me sort of um into the UFC as well yeah they're they're actually trying to work that back um I'm not sure when they're gonna start up like they have like the Tuesday night contender series which is kind of dope with Daniel Daniel White (coughs) excuse me but they are trying to bring back the ultimate fighter. And there was rumors that they was going to do either Colby Covington and Masvidal or something like around that welterweight division, which would be amazing. And you think about Colby yeah. Covington and Jorge Masvidal, the fact that they were former teammates, all, all the, everything, the backstory behind that, that would be an incredible resurgence for the, the fighter. Absolutely. It'd be epic. I mean, especially they're both such polarizing guys you know, I know they like to always bring in the politics and bring in their antics and, you know, the shit talking and whatnot. So it's, uh, dude, I mean, if anything else, it's fun to watch those guys fight, but it's also fun to build up in, in the post-fight uh, shenanigans that both those guys bring. So that would be a, a hell of a series to watch those two, uh, you know, head-to-head and face off. Are you more into the the the, the talking, the build up to the fight, or are you more like a, I just want a really good matchup? I really want. Obviously, obviously, we want to see a great fight in the end, but sometimes the anticipation, the build up, the 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 storylines, that kind of almost like the WWE mentality, kind of really builds those fights. Whereas, you know, the for example, the uh, Gilbert Burns and Kamaru Usman fight, it was nice, it was a good fight, excited for it, but it wasn't that great lead in yeah i know it's kind of just taking the easy route but really both i mean it's so much fun to watch the build up and watch these guys prepare watch these guys talk shit watch these guys you know (laughs) at the weigh-ins and getting in each other's face and um you know really engaging the fans and getting the fans you know brought in but then obviously and you hear it all the time you know once that cage door closes i mean it's just say whatever you want you got to you know you got to face the other guy and and uh and, you know, you get that uh, still as a fan, you know, you sort of get that nervous energy just watching these guys fight. So I think they're, they're so much fun, both of them. And, and every time there's a title fight or a big fight, um, you know, I sit there with that nervous energy thinking like what's going to happen. And, you know, at the same time, I want to see like a crazy submission or crazy knockout, but I also don't want, you know, my, my fight night to be over in, in the first minute. So I want to see a 25 minute <laughs> fight too. So it's like, you try to get all those different, uh, you know, sick aspects of the game, but, uh, you know, you can't have it all. So it's, uh, as long as they're not getting DQ'd and uh, taking oh. these DQs, uh, you know, obviously, uh, I'll take it. I mean, you talk about the DQ, you talk about the past two weekends just being ruined. Like, you know, 
obviously this past weekend was worse because it was the main fight between Leon Edwards and Bilal Muhammad. The eye poke really, really sucked. It's happened before. It was early enough where they call it even a no contest, not a DQ. But the week prior, too, even with Aljamain Sterling and Purion, I mean, that fight was getting deep into it, and that that knee comes, and it was clearly illegal. Everyone knew what happened. But but what are you supposed to do about it? And, and how is you as a fan? Do, are, you're, we're all let down, but are you torn? Or like, should Aljamain Sterling get the title because of that? Should they? Obviously, they're going to be a rematch right away. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. I, I, you know, I was listening to, uh, you know, at first you're like, no, no chance you should get the title, especially cause I, you know, I think, you know, Peter Young was winning that fight and, uh, you know, it just doesn't, you know, make a whole lot of sense. But at the same time, I mean, the rules are the rules and you listen to, uh, you know, DC talk about on the air. I mean, it's not, it's not Aljamain Sterling's fault that, you know, he was sitting on the ground and, and took a, took an illegal shot, took an illegal knee. And then obviously you listen and, and you see whether you agree with it or I agree with it or not. Um, you know, he's ahead on one of the judges scorecards. So who knows? And, and he's still got, you know, uh, you know, a round and a half to land that shot, you know, land that shot or, or um, you know, Jan makes a mistake and, you know, he gets taken down and submitted. You never know. I mean, that's what's so crazy about uh, the MMA is that one guy, it, it just can be over in a flash. One guy can be dominating the fight. And it's just, it's one shot. I mean, it's, it's one shot or one mistake or one injury. Um, you never know. It's just, so, um, you just got to live with the rules, I guess. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a shitty way to, end, to watch a fight end, but I mean, uh, you know, rules are rules and obviously they'll run it back. So that's, that'll make it exciting. Yeah, they're already trashed off on each other, and they're like, oh, I don't know if I want to run it back already. It's, it's you know, it, the Twitter world is great, but it's also a cesspool of just nonsense. It's like, just we all know you guys are going to be the next in line. You guys are going to run it back. We have to. It has to happen. Yeah. But it's funny enough because I just ironically had, had a guest on last week, Montel Griffin. He fought Roy Jones Jr. and actually won the WBC light heavyweight bout off of Jones Jr., uh, Roy Jones Jr., off of a DQ. Very similar. And he said it was at the end of the eighth round. He kind of was was kind of playing possum, on, on, like you know, kind of ducked and was just kind of like trying to wait out the rest of the round so he can finish up the last. He felt he was winning the fight. And I feel kind of Aljo was in that similar situation where it was arguable because I know the judges had the scorecard. It could have gone uh, – I think one had a two-to-one at the moment, yeah. Aljo. The other two had a Peter Rion. But I think Aljo was a little tired, trying to, like, maybe wait it out, get that, that fifth round. So it was, like, playing possum. But it's like, what else could he have done? What, what else could we do? Because it's like it's it stinks, but it's like you, you see his strategy is – it's almost like the Chris Wyman versus Gegard Masasi years ago – you know, uh, Chris Wyman playing possum wants to get keep yeah. his, uh, his 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 points on the ground because he doesn't want to take damage. Just kind of wants to wait out there around. It's it's tough. I mean, definitely. And, and the other thing is, obviously, knees are legal uh, when the opponent's not down. So I mean, like, should you allow knees to be legal when the opponent's down? I mean, you allow uh, you know kicks, you allow hammer fists, you allow elbows, you allow everything else, but not knees. It's just. Um, Again, I'm I'm not I, I don't compete in MMA. I don't want to see anybody obviously get uh, you know seriously hurt uh, career career wise. But um, you know it is a bit of a stall tactic. Him sitting there with one of the one of his you know his knees on the ground, just kind of waiting it out. And uh, you know, or a lot of times you saw him you know on his back with his feet up, saying like you know come to the ground, invite you know inviting him to the ground. And obviously he wants to stand up and strike with him. So 
there's those moments within the fight where you're like, you know, shit. I mean, knees are legal everywhere else. I mean, rock the guy, dude. He's, he's sitting there, he's waiting <laughs> it out. Just rock him and, and move on. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, that's not the way it is right now. It's crazy because we saw this weekend, too, again, Eric Anders uh, with an illegal knee turns into a no contest. And it's funny because if he would have just put the knee to the body, it would have been legal. But he was yeah. like, it was like twice where he kind of went for the head. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Like, just, just, the guy's got his points in the ground. You have him up against the cage, go to the, to the body. It'll probably do just as much damage, to be fair. But, um, Brandon Dubitsky, our guest, I, you know, it's funny because you are in the NHL world. You've had your, your, your fair share of fights too. You talked about how getting the momentum, getting, getting that feeling, getting that nervous feeling, watching two fighters fight, step into the cage. Dude, I know that feeling because I feel it every day. I don't want to be near anybody. When I watch the fights, <laughs> I'm by myself. I'm, I'm like closed off because I get that 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 feeling. You being in, in, on the ice don't get to those, those fights. How is it the same? Uh, no, I mean, not at all. Like, I think it's like – in that moment, you're not, you're not even thinking about it. It's just, it just happens. Uh, you know, I wasn't really a guy that, that, that went out there and was just like, you know, standing next to a guy and saying, Hey buddy, like you want to do this? You want to drop the gloves? That was, it was more like a heat of the moment thing. So I think when you're fighting on the ice or I was fighting on the ice, um, you just knew it was coming because, uh, you know, something happened on the ice, whether it was a dirty hit or, you know, a dirty play or, you know, somebody's whacking at your goalie or whatever, but it was never something that was ever planned. So you didn't really have a whole lot of time to think about it. And then when you're in the moment, it's kind of like driving a car, you know, like, you know, you're driving a car 150 miles an hour down the highway. Um, you know, if you're driving, you feel like everything's okay. Cause you're in control. You understand what's going on. Um, you know, whether you win, lose or draw the fight, you know, you feel like you have some sort of control over it where if you're sitting in that passenger seat, you have no control over it and you're nervous as hell because you're hoping that the guy standing next to you doesn't crash the car. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, that's the way I look at it is when you have control over it and, and you're in the moment, uh, it's a lot easier. And it's, it's kind of wild to think about because, I mean, I don't, I don't know these guys, uh, you know, individually, but, uh, again, it's just you, you, know what, uh, you know what they're going through and you know what's at stake and you know that, you know, they're, you know, either – they, like I said, they're getting, you know, choked out. They're getting knocked out. They, you know, you yeah. just, you know, I know what that feels like. Listen, I got in a fight uh, against Zach Cassian. We were playing in Edmonton a couple years ago, well, four years ago. And, you know, he just rocked me with a left inside and, 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 and broke my orbital bone. And I'm just sitting there. And um, so you just know the dangers of these fights and what, what can happen. So um, that's, I think, one of the reasons also you get that little bit of that nervous energy. Yeah, uh, the, it, who in the NHL did you really want to get a fight with? And just like I, you never had that opportunity. I I know I, I saw the Sidney Crosby fight. We were all as Ranger fans very happy about that. <laughs> and we were applauding. But like, was there somebody else besides Sidney that you really wanted to like get into a fight with? <laughs> Not really. I mean, I think I might be the only guy that has Ovechkin and Crosby on the resume. So. <laughs> um, not really, dude. I didn't really like to fight. I mean, I I, I did it because I I think. Uh, you know, there was times when I felt like I needed to for the team or whatnot, or like I said, one of my teammates got uh, put in a vulnerable position and, and I didn't like it um, or momentum type of thing. But uh, no, man, I, I, I'm not a big, huge fan of getting punched in the face. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I, I had my fair share, but I, you know, I didn't, you know, I was just okay. I didn't, uh, you know, I, I lost my fair share too. So 
wasn't something that I that I loved and looked forward to. You know, talking about you know being a good teammate, you're looking out for your teammates. Um, obviously, you spent your time with the Rangers. Your uh, your goaltender Henrik Lundqvist just had a major heart surgery uh, this past year and had to sit out. Do have you been in touch with him at all? I mean, we've seen some videos that he's put out. He seems like he's incredible. He's back in New York. He he seems like he's running a lot, which is really good. But have you have you spoken to him at all? I have not actually spoken with him, but uh, um, obviously when I found that news out, I was quite surprised because obviously when I played with him for, for all those years, um, you know, nothing like that ever got brought up. So I was, you know, I was really surprised that, uh, you know, something like that ended up popping up, but uh, happy that we, uh, you know, we were, we're so lucky that we have these, um, you know, we, we get these, you know, tests and these scans and these EKGs and everything and, and the NHL and the players association really take care of us. And, uh, and making sure we're, we're getting these things on a regular basis, because without that, I don't think you find something like that, especially with Henrik and who knows what happens if, if, if you don't find that. So, um, you know, certainly, uh, was concerned for him and, um, happy to see he's doing well. And, uh, you know, again, it just seeing him skating now and, uh, you know, seeing the, the caps GM come out and say, I wouldn't plan on it, but I wouldn't rule out, uh, you know, this guy making a comeback and, and, and playing, um, you know, again, just speaks to how competitive and how good he is and, and the reason he's going to be in the Hall of Fame and he's, the reason 30 is going to be in the Raptors at Madison Square Garden is just, you know, that determination um, and that fight that he has in him. And I think uh, that's showing through again, um, you know, and on a different level, um, which is pretty amazing. You know, you talk about, your, you know, being teammates with Henrik Lundqvist and that side of it. But you you also were part of some really special teams. Unfortunately, you got traded before you were able to, to make it to the Stanley Cups. Yeah. But, but but you were a fan favorite. I mean, I remember the day when you got traded. I was furious. Like, I don't care who <laughs> we're getting back. Like, you were the guy like, no, this is untouchable. Give You know, you being so close to, to, to getting to far into, deep into the playoffs but never really getting there to the Stanley Cup, how, how did you feel? Did you Were you a little upset that you weren't able to get there with the Rangers? Absolutely. Yeah, I was pissed off. I mean, I, I remember sitting there wondering where I was going, first of all, going to Columbus, but it turned out to be a wonderful place in my home. But uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, the, the year before I got traded, we, we lose to the Devils in the conference finals um, in a series I think we should have won. Um, who knows what happens against LA in the finals if we, if we get there. Um, but again, we, we spent a lot of years building that team and we had a good core. So to get traded right then and there from Obviously, I think Vancouver ended up winning the President's Trophy because we like blew the last three games of the season. We lost the last three games of the season or something. Right. But you know, from being you know the top team in the league all season long to getting traded to the worst team, obviously that was in itself devastating. But I think more importantly, just not having a chance to sort of have an unfinished business because um, in New York, uh, I think was tough. And um, one of the funny things that comes to mind is is. Uh, you know, I, I think when, after I got traded, I let out my frustration. I think there was an article, uh, you know, I had mentioned that I got traded for a new shiny toy. And, uh, <laughs> you know, so I was obviously pretty pissed off that I had gotten traded at the time. Um, but, you know, it's, uh, they obviously got to the final, didn't, didn't get it done. But, um, yeah, I felt like, you know, there's still a little bit of peace that, that little bit of unfinished business and a piece that, you know, sort of never got written fully in New York for me. I, I agree. I agree. And it's weird because you go to Columbus and your coach follow, follows you not too long after that. I mean, how was it playing for John Tortorella? Is it, was that comfortable when he came back? Did you like that? 
Um, it was, you know, it was, it was, he's been, it's sort of, been, we've had our ups and downs, you know, it was, uh, it was wonderful when he first came to, uh, came to New York and, and, and sort of by the end, I was kind of like, all right, you know, that had sort of run its course a little bit. So I think we were uh, a little bit of, uh, you know, at, at odds with each other a little bit when I got traded, um, had a fresh start with Todd Richards in Columbus and then Torch comes back. Um, again, I think it was, uh, it was sort of like, it was really good at the beginning, but sort of towards the, uh, you know, the last few years that I actually played in Columbus, um, you know, for, for whatever reason, whether it was me not, uh, you know, not, uh, you know, sort of getting older and, and, and not playing as well, or, or him just wanting to play the younger guys and sort of, you know, everything sort of changed a little bit. And, um, you know, again, I think we were at each other a little bit over, uh, my role and my ice time and stuff like that. But I also, you know, I think it goes back to the fact that we're both competitive guys. Obviously I wanted to be on the ice playing 20 minutes a night and I was only playing, you know, 10 or 11 minutes a night. So I'm um, just having that competitiveness in me. Obviously I wanted more than I was getting. So uh, naturally the, the coach is the one making those decisions. So, uh, you know, it can make that relationship rocky a little bit, but at the end of the day, um, listen, I'm proud of the way that my career went, uh, you know, from start to the finish and, uh, Obviously, he was a big part of that and, and played a huge role in that because we were together for so many years, um, both in New York and Columbus. So, um, you know, like I said, I'm happy with the way things went. I, I agree. Listen, I, I understand I have GMs. I have bosses. I understand that sometimes you have your issues with them. You have different ways you want it to go, and they tell you what to do anyway. So I totally yeah. get that. Um, <laughs> but fi final hockey question, I promise you this, but I have to ask because our tummy Panarin, his whole situation the past uh, few, like almost, almost it's been a month, I think, almost now. You know, it's at least two or three weeks here. Have you spoken to him at all? I mean, that's that's scary. That's a scary situation with him and his family. Had were you very close when you were on on the team? No, I wasn't. And uh, you know, he's a guy. He's a pretty quiet guy. He keeps to himself a lot. Um, you know, and we are both in very different, uh, I think. Uh, um, places, you know, he, he had a girlfriend, uh, you know, he lived downtown Columbus. Um, I got three boys, you know, I live out in the suburbs, you know, life's a, just a little bit different, but obviously he was a hell of a player and a hell of a teammate. Great guy. Um, I hadn't had a chance to talk to him. Um, but you know, wild, I knew, you know, before this, you know, there had been some controversy a little bit in the past with, with the, with the political stuff and with Putin and all that stuff. Um, you know, but, really serious allegations. I can't speak to whether they're true or not. Obviously, I don't know, but uh, really hard for me to see something like that being true, just knowing him and his personality. Uh, you know, he's a pretty quiet guy. He's a guy that keeps to himself. Uh, you know, he's, he's the type of guy, um, you know, I don't want to call him a nerd because he's not a nerd, <laughs> but, uh, you know, literally he, we would go on the road and, and he would like go find like the Amazon store, or the bookstore, and he'd be outside sitting out, you know, reading a book and stuff like that. So I just can't see him being, you know, a, a violent guy and especially towards a female. So, uh, you know, I was a little bit surprised seeing that. And it was nice to see some of his other teammates, you know, in the KHL that year come out and say, listen, I don't think that this is true. We would have known about it. Um, you know, so some serious allegations and, and, you know, seemingly unfair at this point, obviously, without, you know, having any concrete proof or evidence. So um, I just have a hard time seeing him doing something like that. But uh, nice to see him back. I did watch the game the other night, uh, the 4 nothing game against the Bees. And, and uh, you know, the Rangers were looking good. So 
Um, happy to see him back. Hell of a pass he made on that goal with Strom. So um, it's uh, it's fun to see him back, and and the Rangers obviously need him big time. So um, yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny you call. You said he's not a nerd, but he kind of is has nerdy uh, <laughs> uh, personality traits. But but let me Andy, ask you a question. Andy needs a haircut too. He needs <laughs> to get his haircut. Like I don't know what he's been doing. He's been growing that hair out for a while. Since I think he was in Columbus. to cut that hair. I love the do, man. I know. I listen. Listen. Let it grow. Let it flow. If it's work, if it's working, maybe that's like his, like you know, Achilles' heel. He need he needs the hair. Um, but uh, let me ask you a question because you, you know. Take me through some of the, the players that you've been through. Uh, are, are there many guys who are, are there that are like nerdy or that like are just dive into the game? And, and like talent takes you so far, but you really have to be a student of the game too. Hockey, whether it's MMA, hockey, whatever, you have to really be invested in it. Yeah, it's, you know, I think first of all, they're all nerds now. I mean, all the guys <laughs> that are playing are nerds now. Whether you know, playing video games all the time, talking about video games, going to dinner. I mean, it's just, it's just changed a lot. You know, everything's sort of changed a lot. Uh, the topic of conversation went from a lot of different, I think, more intellectual, you know, real life type of things to, to you know, who who is really good players at Fortnite and uh, Call of Duty and some of these other other games. So I think they're all a little bit nerdy now. But uh, all things considered. Yeah, I mean, everything's changed. I mean, you just look at the game itself and, like, you know, they brought in this whole, like, analytics thing and, like, they brought in, you know, they got iPads on the bench now. And, you know, like, I would sometimes get pissed off sitting in a locker room. Like, Where the hell is everyone? And, like, half the guys would literally be in the lounge watching, you know, some of their shifts from the previous period, you know, uh, uh, you know, in, inside the game itself. And I'm like, I mean, guys, just – go back in your mind in that shift. You you need to be sitting there watching it. It wasn't for me. It was always easy to know if I was playing good or playing like shit, or if I had a couple good shifts and a couple bad shifts or whatever. But yeah, I mean, so again, it's just another whole thing with the, with the new culture of the NHL, you know, every single guy, you know, has the iPads and uh, you know, has access to um, the software so that the, the coaches or the video coach, I should say is uploading, um, you know, every single shift of a guy, of a player's, you know, uh, games up onto, you know, an iPad for them, um, emailing them out. If you're a center iceman, you're getting, um, you know, face-offs. You're getting to watch face-offs from the other team. Um, if you're a shootout guy, you're watching the other, the opposing goaltender that you're coming up, you're watching some of his shootouts and, you know, some of the goals that he let in, some of the tendencies. As a goaltender, I'm sure you're watching shooters and whatnot with the goalie coach. So, yeah, there's just so much more of an emphasis on on that uh, that's you know that's being a study of the game and being a student of the game and um obviously it's you know it's in every sport now but uh um you know if it's helping guys you know then then why wouldn't you anything you can do to get a competitive edge uh you know especially with with the the talent level and the ability that that you know every guy possesses in the nhl you know, you should be doing it and taking that extra time. And I think these guys are, it's just so much different from like my early years in the NHL where like you had just two good lines. You had one shitty line that literally couldn't, couldn't really play, but they were just mean and tough and, and scary, you know, and then one that was just kind of just okay. And, and, and uh, you know, now all four lines, every, every player's good. Every player can play seriously up, up you know, seemingly up and down through the lineup through, 
the first line to the fourth line and everywhere in between because you're not having those uh, those roster spots taken up by um, you know some of the, sh- the shadier players that used to play and uh, you know every, like I said everyone's good so anything you can do to get that competitive edge is important and I think you're seeing a lot of that these days. Yeah, no, I I do notice the enforcers are basically the the, the role is is pretty much uh, you know obsolete at the moment. I mean, and again, like as a as a hockey fan, you kind of look forward to those fights. You 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 like to see the brawls. You like to see all that stuff happening. But again, everyone has to be so so talented. Everyone has to be able to score. You know, at any time. So I I definitely notice the difference. Um, as far as the MMA world though, like you you see a lot of these well rounded fighters and stuff like that. What type of of fighter do you particularly like to see out there would do you want to see someone it's like that's just going to go out there and brawl or do you want to see a chess match i like i mean i like the guys that just get out there and swing them i mean the, <laughs> the strikers uh you know i like the fast pace the fury you know like um it's tough I, i'll tell you this much like i get i I think one of the things that I get like really frustrated about is like when you have, uh, you know, you have a grappler, you know, versus a striker and like it either ends up one way or another, like this one, you know, the, the grappler just, you know, he walks into a couple punches there early or, um, or vice versa. Like, you know, the grappler, like take, you know, takes the guy down 11 times and like, he's just <laughs> literally smothering him on the ground. Right. Now, I mean, I'll say it's a little bit different. Like if you're, uh, you know, Blachowicz the other day, I mean, listen, like that was kind of fun to watch, but I would say when there's a serious mismatch and you're literally talking about a, a grappler versus a striker and then that's it, um, you know, not a really well-rounded fighter as, as obviously, uh, you know, Adesanya and, and, and Blachowicz are because they're obviously both champions. Um, I would say that's sort of my least favorite thing. My most favorite would be, you know, getting two strikers that get out there and, especially guys that can throw the kicks. Um, that's always oh, yeah. fun to watch, dude. The, the, I mean, like, I always think it's so badass when a guy gets, like, when a fight gets finished by, like, a leg kick. Because, like, everyone's like, dude, you just got kicked in the leg. I mean, how, you know, <laughs> how, how bad could that be? And then you see, like, these guys' legs or, They're like, their welts, body. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, how they, they, you know, they can't even walk after the fight, whether, you know, it's uh, – so yeah, there's there's a lot to love about it, but uh, I would say definitely I like the strikers, man. The calf kicks, man. That that is a huge part of the game these days, and that's what happened with Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor. It's funny because I keep on get most of the guests I have on are huge Conor McGregor fans. I had Michael Lorenzen on of the uh, Cincinnati Reds, and he he sent me like a quote from uh, someone in, in uh, Conor's camp, basically like how he could how he's gonna improve versus Dustin versus next fight. And when, when me and Michael were talking, he was like, I totally believe that he'll be able to, to make the adjustments going into the next fight versus Dustin Poirier. And that's what I, I feel like he was a ga- away from the game so long. He's been focusing on boxing, but that's what Connor can can bring to the table. I don't think every single fighter can do that. I don't think every single fighter can face a Nate Diaz twice and be able to beat him the second time. I think that Connor though, is that that's yeah. to do it. No, I agree. I mean, listen, he, you know, champ, champ, obviously, you know, he, when he was coming, I mean, he was coming up, like he, he looked literally like unstoppable. I mean, I would say, I think we talked on the phone the other day, um, you know, last week, the only thing that can get in the way, I think really is, is himself and, and how much he wants to put into the game and how much he actually wants to train. And if he does want to, you know, improve his, improve his game all around, 
Um, you know, I think he's the type of person that's, you know, he's, he's, his, he'll be his, you know, his, his own worst enemy. And, and obviously, um, you know, if he wants it bad enough, you know, he's the type of guy that'll also be able to go in there and get it done, whatever he wants to do, because, um, that was the type of person that he was. But, um, you know, when you're, when you're successful and you got a lot of money and you, you know, you're rolling up to the, to the arena, you know, in a, in a train of Rolls Royces and whatnot, and, and you're making a few million bucks, you know, in, in an MMA fight, um, you know, obviously he doesn't want to lose, but, you know, it's sort of, I question a little bit, you know, how much time, um, you know, he spent focused on, you know, was he, you know, e eating, breathing, sleeping, you know, Dustin Poirier, or was he just, you know, training and doing that stuff, you know, when it was convenient for him. And obviously his camp's always going to say the right things. They're always going to say like, this is the best version of Conor McGregor. This is, you know, he's in the best shape of his life. You know, he's got a full gas tank these days. You know, it's not like the old Conor McGregor where he'd say he'd get gassed out in the later rounds and whatnot. Um, you know, this is the best version of himself. And then, you know, you go in and, and see a second round, you know, see him get knocked out in the second round with or without the leg kicks. Um, so again, I, I think, you know, he's going to be, he'll dictate what, what happens in the rest of his career. I think if he wants to, like you said, I think his skill set's strong enough, and I think he's good enough that that he'll, uh, you know, he'll go out there and, and win again on a regular basis, um, you know, or he won't because he's, you know, he's just too focused on, on the rest of you know his life and and his his, his branding, his whiskey, <laughs> his proper twelve. So I've never tried it, but I. I've, I've heard some mixed reviews anyway. It's let me put it this way. It's smooth. I mean, however you like your whiskey, it's smooth. I mean, I don't, if you're a smooth guy, then yeah, it goes down easy. But if you're, if you want a little bit more bite to it, if you want something else, it's not, it's I'm not trying to knock it. Everyone, everyone has his own taste. Dude, I've been drinking. I was trying to push not too long ago, the peanut butter whiskey. So I'm, I'm all over the place with my whiskeys, but, but uh, I, I, but, but I, proper 12 is not the highest on my list. Let's put it that way. That's that's the politically correct way of, uh, of yes. answering the question. Might I add? Might I add? Without that, uh, without that, uh, without that DQ, I would have been like twelve out of fifteen on my picks. I know, dude. You were I killing mean, it. Come on. You were killing. I couldn't believe it. I looked back and I go, mean, "Holy smokes, dude!" That's is that is that well, now? Are you that good with picks normally or no? Dude, uh, no. I mean, who knows? <laughs> who knows? Who knows? Obviously. The, the you know the the you know the 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 pay per views are easier to to pick because you know all the fighters and like I, listen I I watch a lot of the fight nights and whatnot um, you know I'm that into it I don't just watch the big pay per views and stuff but you know some of these fighters you know you just don't you don't know a whole lot about because they're you know they're up and coming you know there's well, their first fight in the UFC third fight second fight something like that so dude I don't know man I just got hot I was like I was I was pissed off when it all ended i'm like dude i now i'm like 11 11 out of 15 because like I, I lost on a dq that's bullshit i i know i, I know so many people were upset by that too like i got someone was like you should squash a dq shouldn't count i'm like i got listen it's what does vegas say what does vegas say <laughs> hey, i know i know i know who was feeling good about it was you 
Yes. You were yes. feeling good about it. Yes, you I was Sterling. <laughs> yeah, I was looking at your pick you that big heart around it. You're feeling real good about it. I listen, you know, he's a Long Island guy too, so like I feel connected to him. I spoke to him a few times. I like his style. I didn't think yeah. I thought Pewter Young was gonna kind of die down towards the later rounds, but he was looking super good, dude. He he's got he, he's the goods. He is the goods. He's able to strike. He was able to the takedown defense was superb. He yeah. he's legit, man. Let me tell you that much. Yeah, that was serious. You know, like, but Sterling also, like, he was pressuring hard. Like, he was pressuring heavy for those first three rounds. So, you know, easy to see why, it's, you know, he had a 2-1 on one of the one of the judges' scorecards because, you know, there was times I thought Jan was going to kill him, frankly. <laughs> I, I mean, like, uh, not that I'm not a Sterling fan, but I, I, I thought he was, I thought it was, wasn't even be close. But I was surprised, man. He kept coming forward. He came forward for 15 minutes, and obviously I think he started gassing a little bit in that fourth round. But, um, yeah, man, I was, I was pretty impressed by it. I think, you know, the next one's going to be even better too. Obviously now these guys have been in there. They felt each other's power. They felt that each other's pressure and whatnot. I, I mean, I'm pretty jacked. I'm pretty stoked for the next one. No question. Listen, Brandon, we're almost out of time. So is there anything else you want to promote? Anything that you want to promote yourself? No, I'm good, man. I mean, I want to, I'll look forward to coming back on here and, and, and chat with you some more. This is fun. I, I love the MMA. It's probably, you know, my favorite sport right now um, to follow, to watch. Like I said, I watch not just the big matches. I watch the fight nights. You know, I watch the prelims, the early prelims. I will say this. When I went to uh, I went to the McGregor-Cowboy fight, uh, you know, in January uh, before that pandemic happened and everything, um, and it's just so much different than ever going to a boxing match where, like, you literally don't go until the fight. I mean, like, you don't walk into the to the boxing match until the – until the main events, you know, it's just absolutely empty, but um, I'm a big fan, man. It's fun. We went in and watched, you know, four or five of the fights and in, in, uh, at the T-Mobile before, before the main event. So um, it's sweet talking with the, with you about this stuff. It's awesome. Yeah, dude, we'll do it again. We'll get you on these, these round tables where I'm trying to like combine like fighters and athletes together. It's been, it's been pretty dope. We had a couple of weeks ago, we had Dan Henderson on. I just talked, talked to Rich, uh, Rich Franklin last week, but we'll do it again, man. It's, it's awesome. So thanks so much for the time, man. I appreciate awesome. it. You got it, man. Thanks a lot. Appreciate you. I had a fun time with him. That, that was, um, you know, we talk about having fun times with all these guests. They, they, they've been awesome because everyone's just so passionate about it. Everyone's really cool. Everyone's just excited about the fights and stuff like that. So it's just, it's it's a really cool uh, thing to have these people come on, these guys come on, these guests come on, and just kind of just, you know, just just shoot the shit about about fights and kind of like how they got into it and the, your experience. And it's also really cool to hear Brandon talk about. I talk about it all the time how I get chills watching fights and how he gets the same thing too. And you talk about someone who is a professional athlete who's played in in game sevens in the playoffs um, and, and have has been in some major fights on the ice and just how he still feels different watching a fight that he has no control over compared to him being on the ice and being uh, in an arena packed to the brim with fans and they're just not affecting the same way. So thank you to Brandon Binsky for that. That was Fantastic. We'll have him on again soon for sure. And get ready for the fights tonight, tomorrow, whenever you listen to this. UFC Vegas 22 is the exact name that people go by. UFC Vegas 22. Derek Brunson versus Kevin Holland. That is on ESPN. 10 p.m. is the main card. 
prelims start at 8, I believe. 7, 7.30, actually. Um, as always, check out my picks. They will be at the Fight Fan WFAN on Twitter. You'll get all the picks from all the other guys as well. It's been cool. Uh, a lot of traction on that. It's fun. A lot of people getting involved, which is really fun, too. Uh, also, at the Hoff, WFAN is my personal Twitter account. You could always tweet at me and, and talk crap or whatever you want to do. Also, all the videos are on YouTube, at the Fight Fan with Pete Hoffman. Instagram, we have some stuff. I will be posting more on that. Also, Facebook, you see the videos as well. So, thank you very much for following WFAN.com and Radio.com as well. We'll have stuff. And just follow for my picks. Follow for uh, anything, any breaking news. I will try to post it as soon as possible. But thank you so much. Again, thank you to Brandon Dubinsky. Thank you to the listeners who have been following and listening the whole way. And we will be back with more. Next weekend is a huge weekend. This is a nice card right here. Nice Derek Brunson versus Kevin Holland in the middleweight division. But next week is UFC 260. So hopefully we're going to get another round table. Stipe Miocic versus Francis Ngannou for the heavyweight title. And then the co-main event, Alexander Volkanovsky versus Brian Ortega for the featherweight title as well. And then you also have the return of Tyron Woodley versus Vincente Luque. Sean O'Malley makes a return versus Thomas Almeida. Really awesome. Carlos, see who's on the prelims. Eh. Let's see the early prelims. Eh. That main card is beast, though. That main card is worth it. Prelims, eh. Main card beast. That's all I'll say. So again, we will be back. Hopefully have a nice round table for that. For I, I know that I'm probably gonna get some guys on. I know a lot of people want to talk about that. So I will see you guys next week with more. Thank you again for listening. This is the fight then. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.